Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's newest show, Why Are We Like This, with myself and Adam Collins. Please check us out wherever you can find podcasts, which I think is like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, what have you. And make sure to check out Patreon, patreon.com backslash video drew and enjoy the show. an all new why are we like this uh with myself uh drew grant and adam collins hi adam hey good to be back sorry for the delay last week no yeah no problem sorry for the delay tonight uh i had some sound issues that um was not allowing me to hear you very well so i'm glad we got that resolved uh well quite all right i had some issues with um Streamyard recognizing my camera and mic and after troubleshooting it for a very long time um i fixed it by restarting my computer that's what i tried to do it turns out my thing yeah. was chrome got reset to the sound to zero but only chrome fascinating issues uh, of the modern lifestyle sexy issues that's the sexy stuff they, they pay us to talk about people only want to talk about adam mm -hmm. and drew's technical issues mm -hmm. it's like we're back in 2020 all over again doing oh, yeah. for the first time um so tonight we're gonna be talking about we're, we're kind of going a little bit all over the place we're gonna start with Halloween, because it is soon to be Halloween mm -hmm. on Monday night. The holiday, not the film franchise, to be specific. I mean, the film franchise may come up, but yes. we're talking about the holiday first, right? Oh, I thought we were talking about literally the film franchise Halloween. Oh, yes. No, Halloween. I can talk about the film franchise Halloween any time of day. Okay. I just didn't know if we were honoring the holiday as well, given yeah, the proximity. The well, let's, let's say this. It's going to be a spooky episode. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about... A couple spooky things, a couple creepy things. Um, There's gonna be spider which, webs and ectoplasm, and, and yeah, like a yeah. bunch of uh, peeled grapes put in a bowl somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be great. A bunch of uh, trying to think, what else did you have there? You had like brains that were made out of Jello, I think. And I'm trying not to think to what get, else were in those Not jars. to get tangential off the bat, but have you seen the movie Haunt, the the horror movie Haunt about no, the? It's it's been so it's a similar premise to Hellfest, but it's a better movie than Hellfest, in my opinion. Um, I've never heard of either. Oh, so they're both. Um, what if you went to a haunt and it was real? That's the. Oh, you know, yeah. And and Haunt does it better than Hellfest, but they're both pretty fun to watch. But Haunt is darker, a little more grim. Uh, mm -hmm. Hellfest is a little more zippy, a little more Gen Z. Can uh, I ask you a question? What? Why do you call them haunts? I mean, like a haunted house? Like yes, that. that's sort of like an industry term from what I, uh, well, I've seen the documentary. Um, I'd have to Google the name. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary about um, haunted attractions. Um, okay. It's really, really good. Um, uh, I'll, I'll look this it up. This is awesome. Wait. I did, a, I did a thing in uh, the New York Observer back in like, God, it was over a decade ago, 2011, about uh, the various like um, extreme events that were coming up around Halloween in New York like that year mm -hmm. and specifically 2011 but it was um it had been like veering away from haunted house ideas and into the idea of like 
the torture porn extreme like blackout rooms where you know people mm -hmm. would come in and like do all these you know crazy stuff like at one place i got waterboarded legit waterboarded you did okay so you've actually been through this yeah 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 but they weren't like haunts it wasn't like spooky it was more like you know eli ross well, is kind of like abduct you that's what the, the so the documentary i just looked it up i believe it's called haunted and it's on okay. netflix or at least it was for a long time and it's about um, it focuses on a few different haunted attractions throughout the country. And it includes one of those extreme ones where you have to sign a waiver and it just seems oh, yeah. gross yeah, yeah. and unpleasant. And it was not fun. yeah. So like there is a certain market for that. Supposedly uh, I'm not interested, but the documentary is yeah. great. And um, the I'm movies uh, haunt is on shutter and Hellfest is somewhere, but haunt mm -hmm. is the one I would prioritize because it's pretty well made and pretty frightening at times. I mean, I will say this about Los Angeles is they know how to do Halloween right. Like from, mm -hmm. you know, from like, uh, you know, everything goes all out because you have all like the prop designers and you have all the makeup people. So like they're just sitting here like hanging out on Halloween. So you might as well use the space, all the lots like Universal, yeah. um, WB, like every place just has a Halloween theme. And then like all the performers are here. Like I went to this one place called Zombie Joe's a couple years ago where they had straight up malignant style contortionists. That would like Ooh. go around like and you would go through a like a haunted maze and then they would do this like malignant style like puppet show almost but with their bodies and like everyone mm -hmm. was sitting around like this little round circle but then they would like come out of the walls and stuff and like walk backward on their like legs and hands it was so crazy it was crazy that was i think like the highlight experience i've had in a, a space here there's also daryl lynn bozeman director of like saw mm -hmm. what, four through six yeah he he's he's basically the david yates of the saw franchise yeah Oh, that's a great way of putting it. Yes, the David Yates of the Saw franchise. <laughs> I'm sure he'd like that comparison. <laughs> uh, he does. He does. Uh, he does like immersive experiences here. That's another phrase for it. Is like immersion experiences. Yeah. So I did this one called Ascension. That was like you were on the, you know, the day before they send you all these documents and stuff, and you're like take the role of like a detective, and you're looking for this missing girl who's joined a cult, and you go to this. You get picked up like on the on a street corner, like at this assigned time, at this assigned spot, and get picked up by these people who like put black hoods on you and put you in a van and drive you to this giant warehouse. And like this sounds like it's going into the the direction of the uh, waterboarding experience, but it was not. Yeah. It was more like a strange, like immersive, like uh, the only thing in New York I can compare it to is like Sleep No More, which was that okay. big, uh, this awesome McKittrick Hotel. They built this like Hitchcockian style uh, rundown, like. 1950s style hotel that didn't exist before but they made it look like it was a new york landmark put it right near the high line and then put on these uh versions of Macbeth that were all done with music and dance and you could just walk through whatever floor you wanted and like everything was like you know you could follow whatever storyline you wanted it was crazy very cool not quite a haunted house but like very like immersively weird experiences la is a great location for it um there's some interesting ones out here that I, I haven't had the pleasure of going to yet, but I've seen, I've, I've looked into them um, where I grew up in Ohio. There's one that I think is still going. Uh, that was, uh, it's pretty unforgettable for the name alone. It was called the haunted Hoochie. Yeah. And yeah. And, and uh, I was telling Marisol about this last week um, in, in, in high school uh, people would shorten it to you go into the hooch, you go you into the hooch. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And it was actually quite good. Uh, pretty high budgeted, a um, lot of production value, uh, really good for, you know, central Ohio in the early 2000s. Um, but uh, I've done I've done Universal a number of times as a, 
a lot of people have, and it's it's always great. Um, but I wasn't able to get to an attraction this year. It's 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 We're it's crazy. not. Yeah, it's tough to get to them. Yeah, I mean, the other thing about Universal is you have to wait on those lines to like take forever. Mm-hmm. I say for mm-hmm. my money, WB has like a crazy good experience. Uh, the year I went to like the WB lot because. Think about it. Warner Brothers owns a lot of property. They own most of the. I think they own the entire like Conjuring Extended Universe. And yeah, they, they do. Own, like, yeah, and they also own it, and they also own. Um, I didn't know this. They own Freddy and Jason, and all like the slasher ones. Or like, well, it's it's weird. So like technically, Freddy and Jason, I think, are mostly still. Well, the rights for Friday Thirteenth are incredibly complicated, but like mm-hmm. a lot of the basic rights are tied up with New Line and Warner Brothers. Yeah. But Universal is able to uh, get access to the major franchises for Halloween Horror Nights. And then, to your point, they basically own Halloween now because of Blumhouse. They own the current iteration of Halloween, so they yeah. can run with that. Um, yeah, I mean, you mean the Universal does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's but it's always weird. Whenever they're like, we're going to have a Jordan Peele exhibit, I'm like, I mean... I don't know, like the the existential psychological horror of Get Out. I don't know how it translates into a maze that well. Like, I don't know what they're mm-hmm. gonna do with Nope. Us is the only one I can imagine being like uh, any any good or scary. Well, they should do uh, what is it called? Uh, Jupiter's Claim. They should they do, do that. that. Yeah, okay, okay, that. okay. But think about it this way: like, they don't have it. Uh, it's like uh, it's just like a lot. You can go to like Jupiter's Claim when you do the the tour, like the backlot tour mm-hmm. at Universal. They have like Jupiter's claim that you go past, but you can't like, you know, they haven't like figured out how to like make uh, fake clouds chase after okay. you or anything. Although they could, and I think about it, they can dust up some wind and have it come in from the side. Did, and like, yeah, that'd be cool. Did you ever go on the Twister attraction when they had it at Universal? No, was that like? It, it was pretty, it was like a stage show, but it was a really cool like stage effect show where like, they were able to engineer uh, a smoke machine to create a funnel cloud that would drift across yes. the stage. It was badass. They, they and Bill and Bill Paxton narrates the experience while you're in line, so you get to listen to Bill Paxton while you're in line, which I loved. Okay, um, you know what? I'm changing my mind. I think they could. They just need to do more with this this Jupiter's claim. Yeah, they build it. They they could it turn Twister into Nope. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can turn, <laughs> you can turn it into a stage show, a la Waterworld. Mm-hmm. You can just make it its own thing. Like you could, like the first three rows are going to get sucked up into that amorphous cloud and get digested. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you know, I haven't done any of them this year, and I guess now it's like a little too late. Whoops, I didn't even think about it this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I love going to those haunt things. I love, I love They're Halloween. Right. It's my favorite time of the year. I realize now, though, I'm like at the age where it's like far too like old to celebrate Halloween unless I'm going to a party. it's 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 tricky like i don't feel self-conscious about it it's more about practicality like i i i love halloween as much as i ever have um and thankfully this year i i um i won't get into the details but i'm i'm lucky enough that uh we have a halloween event uh this weekend that we have to look forward to and that's that's i haven't had that for a few years Mm -hmm. um uh, but yeah putting a costume together as as exciting as it is it can be intimidating if you overthink yeah. it. Um, so I think I'm, I'm leaning on a couple classic. Uh, I'm, I'm going all the way back to high school for a couple of mainstays I have. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet, but I think I, I, I'm leaning one way. I mean, as somebody who has so many like costumes, like literally half my closet is costumes. I don't really have any 
costumes. Like I don't have anything that like counts as like cosplay or co like like a recognizable costume. So like I don't do well at like conventions because my, my things are like I dress up dramatically and they're all costume outfits, but none of them are a specific recognizable thing. They're just costumes. <laughs> Get a trench costumes. coat and be Agent Dale Cooper. Slick your Love hair it. back. Yeah, that would be fun. I mean, I do have a, I mean, maybe I won't show it right now, but I do have one idea for something I want to be. It is basically just the entire capsule collection of one of my favorite things. So, like, I just just wear all their clothing and then do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah or combo that. Um, actually, that's a good idea. Maybe I can, maybe there's still time I can do this. Uh, but, I mean, I, I saw King's Portal in the comments talking about, he's going to say it now, Halloween ends. He enjoyed it. We might as well get to this, Adam. Let's All dig good. into the movies. Uh, we're going to yeah. kind of uh, just, we we reserve the right to jump around through 2022 yeah, yeah. horror, whether it's television, uh, movies, or anything else. Yeah. Um, but we got a lot to say, and we may not cover it all in this episode, but. But gosh, I sure hope so. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's our favorite genre, though, is it not? Okay, so actually, before we get to Halloween ends, top five favorite uh, horror movies of this year so far? Oh boy. Um, give me a second, uh, just so I can have, um, I'm going to cheat and pull up, uh, the releases this year. So I don't miss anything. If you don't mind. Sure. Sure. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go. All right. You go first. Nope. No, this is no, no particular order. It's Nope, Pearl, Deadstream, Barbarian. And then a fifth one. <laughs> I knew that. I know there's at least one more that I really like this year, but I can't remember what it was. That's a, I mean, those four are, uh, there's nothing wrong with what you already said. Yeah, those are, I mean, like Barbarian and Pearl just right next to each other were just mind-blowing. Yeah. A little bit earlier was also very strong. Um, I will safely say, um, nope. Mm -hmm. Um, Pearl. Um, let's see here. Um, Deadstream, I have watched it twice. We'll get into that. So um, good. uh, did I already say Smile? Oh, no, I haven't seen Smile yet. Yeah, you so Smile's that? up there for me. Really? Um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I really dug it. I really um, have to see it. Okay, that's it. I have to see it. Yeah, and then um, I'd say for Barbarians and my honorable mentions, I don't know it's going to make my top five. Um, um, okay, it was so good. But, but Resurrection is hovering up there for now. With Rebecca okay. Hall, it just dropped on Shutter for people who oh, haven't I seen it. I saw that movie. Oh my god! With what's the uh, fucking Tim Roth, right? Yeah, and the the whole the whole movie is the best part about it are the reveals. So I won't get into the plot, but just oh watch god. it. It's on Shutter, and Tim Roth and Rebecca Hall are both really, really great. Which They're great in it. is no surprise. It's kind of like first performed. It's not exactly first performed, but in the sense of like, and maybe Barbarian too, where I'm just like. It's all about like, yeah. like you're right. It's all about like the kind of deal too much, but like it's kind of also like not necessarily what I would consider horror. Maybe a little bit, maybe resurrection a little bit more than like uh, first reform. But like it definitely yeah. was like a place where I was like gearing myself up for some supernatural crazy horror, and then I was like, oh, this is just uh, this is something else. But Tim Roth was incredible. Um, the moment after I watched that movie, I wanted to talk about it. So I was trying to talk about it long, and it's like my brain just wiped over like who mm -hmm. the male co-lead of this movie was. I was like, it's that guy. I was like, it's not that other British dude. I was like, it's not Oon McGregor, but my brain kept telling me it was Oon McGregor. Like, I just, I don't know, my mind wiped on Tim Roth. Like, I think he was fantastic in it. I just saw him in She-Hulk. But for some reason, like, yeah. the role, like, he like, it just, he like, I don't know, melds into it or something. 
Uh-huh. I forgot he was there. He's 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 incredibly effective in it. Um, mm-hmm. And Rebecca Hall has been on a, a pretty enormous uh, run when it comes to horror and like genre oriented stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because she had the Night House, she had Resurrection. Um, you know, I wouldn't label it as horror, but it's certainly uh, uh, horrific and frightening. Uh, I finally saw Christine, her movie, Christine. Oh, that movie's and, so and it's yeah. so incredibly made. Um, she makes so it scary. Great. You um, saw Nighthouse, right? You said Nighthouse? You said yeah, Nighthouse? I've seen Nighthouse a few times. Um, from And I love that director, David Bruckner. He did the new okay. Hellraiser, which was, I thought, decent. I didn't love it, but I thought it was decent. Okay. Did you see um, the new Hellraiser? No, not yet. I heard Tom talk about it. Okay. Um, yeah. Wait, wait. I'm trying to see what else came out this year. Didn't see The Invitation. Didn't really seem interesting. I don't... I'm not compelled with the invitation um no. i let's see um i still need to see um a uh, speak no evil i've heard that game that movie does not play um that's on shutter that's a i think it's a danish and dutch co-production um huh. and um i've i've heard like it's it's like it i've heard it compared to funny games um oh, a little, no. you know <laughs> like it's it's really intense um i thought fresh was worth seeing, but I wasn't blown away. Um, I would say that I was not uh, totally taken by they slash them. I see what. It oh, was I heard that was just straight up bad. It was. It was not great. Uh, I was also not impressed with men. Like I think men. Yeah. Um. So I, we finally saw men, and um, I was not bored by men, but like I, I feel very similar to about the movie men as I do about Aronofsky's film mother. It's um, very similar to mother. Yeah. The allegory is very heavy handed, but it's not boring. And there's a lot of beautiful photography and the dream logic in both of those movies is really cool. Um, but I thought, I thought men was, you know, there were, there was a lot of imagery and a lot of concepts in place um, that he wanted to put on screen. And I think those all were really effective, but I, the message I took away from it was, you know, Kind of an okay <laughs> for 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 as broad as it was and as 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 flowery as it was with the presentation. Yeah, I think that uh, another one that I would maybe put up high on the list is just because of like the sheer like oh my god this movie's good. Orphan First Kill. Uh, I'm with it's you there. Movie. Orphan First Kill was a lot of fun and like, way better than you thought it would be. Like one of those like sequels that are just it's just it's such an improvement on the original story. Yeah, and it's and it's technically a prequel, but like the thing is, like it's a thematic sequel because we know what the story is with Esther, and that's that's what's fun about the movie is it plays with that concept because she, in a way, is is the de facto protagonist in this movie, which is really interesting. And um, Isabel Furman's so good, Um, so that movie was surprisingly good. Like you'd think it would be garbage, and it's just you know. not. And just no. by the nature of it being not, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. But like it was just so good, and you produced by our own Ethan Irwin, uh, who's a producer. On yeah, it. he was an associate producer on the original and an executive producer on this one. Now, would you count so. on Crimes of the Future as horror? I didn't I haven't seen. Oh it yeah, I mean, before. I mean, I think that's. I mean, that's. I think that definitely qualifies. I haven't gotten around to that um, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've heard mixed things. I do want to see it. Um, uh, I'm not seeing it either. What about Prey? 
Uh, Prey, I liked a lot. Uh, we talked. I mean, we did a whole Predator episode. Um, but does it count as a like a horror movie? Yes, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. I would say so more than any of the other Predator movies. I think the only other one that's like, uh, uh, that close to being like straight up horror is the original, because um, okay. the original, the original functions like a slasher movie, but the victims are all Rambo, and that's mm -hmm. that's why I like that movie. But mm -hmm. then Prey. I, I think Prey speaks for itself. We already went into it on our episode, but it's just, it's such a great way to update it without overthinking updating it. And it, it made it interesting again. It made the predator scary. Um, and it also reminded me like, yeah, you can really do anything with the predator franchise. If you want to, you can make it an anthology franchise, which it yeah. already kind of is. Um, you mean like, like, you mean interstitially like, uh, you mean uh, the movie can have anthology segments. Well, that would be cool. I would love an actual Predator anthology movie with like four or five shorts. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the franchise, yeah, but the franchise itself is, um, you know, anthologized in a way because, like, it jumps around in time periods. Um, uh, you know, Predators is in a unknown time, possibly in the future. I don't know. Um, but then, like, the Predator tried to make everything so literal and boring that I thought Prey did a good job of returning the mystery to it, the, 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 the suspense. So I'd, I'd say Prey counts. Um, um, I'm also seeing that I'm looking at, I'm just looking at Rotten Tomatoes, like editorial, like best horror movies of the years. I'm really, there's so many of them I have not seen. It's one called Sissy. That, uh, that one dropped on Shudder recently. Um, I haven't, I've heard pretty good things about it. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, really, um, score, really good, both critic and it's got a 97 critic score and a 75% audience score. It's pretty good. That's exciting. That's exciting. Uh, um, uh, did you hear about or see Watcher? I was just looking at that and I was like, I've that's on Shutter now as well. It's worth seeing. I have, to, take a check. I have to check out more shit on Shutter. Uh, we're all going to the World's Fair. Did you see that one? No, that's um, <laughs> up on my queue. Um, that's one I've been wanting to see this year. Um, uh, so do we want to um, yes. go back to Halloween ends for a second just to focus? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good wraparound because I actually think that's my fifth favorite of the year, if I'm just going to be honest. I do like the conversation it's breeding. Um, mm -hmm. And I do think that for better or worse, it honors the tradition of the franchise, which is what the hell do they do now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I read a thing recently that uh, at the end, David Gordon Green wanted to do a thing uh, where at the end of the movie, they end up at the Shamrock Factory mm -hmm. and find out that Michael's mask has been is being reproduced at the Shamrock Factory. So Michael's mask actually is like the thing with the power, which they kind of like allude to in this a little bit. But like, I was like, how cool would have that been? Because this whole movie from the get go just smacks up, if not the vibe of Halloween 3, then at least the what the fuckness like left turn of season of the witch you know like it's just like so hard of a left turn from what they've been doing in the past two films and in the, the entire halloween franchise that i kind of loved it because at no point was i like oh this fucking thing again i was like what is what is this i was like what is going on i <laughs> i can appreciate that for sure and there's things about halloween ends that i i genuinely enjoyed and i'm i will rewatch it but my initial reaction, mm -hmm. um, I didn't have as much fun watching really? this as, as even as I did Halloween Kills. Um, and for me, a big reason um, 
uh, was because, and with got, without getting into super spoilers here, um, I just didn't, I wasn't compelled by the character of Corey, really. I was compelled by the opening act. Mm-hmm. And that that op- that cold open was at one of the best cold opens in the entire franchise, for Ever. Re- Ever. regardless. Um, but where it goes after that felt a little, just a little uh, predictable until it wasn't. And then the stuff that was crazy was a little too little too late for me. I like it, but like it felt a lot of stuff like a stuff smashed together because I'm still wrapping my head around what I saw. Mm-hmm. I think the second viewing, I'm not going to, I'm not predicting that I'm going to love it, mm-hmm. but I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll let it settle for a while. I was eager to watch Halloween kills a second time, even though mm-hmm. it was crazy. But I think both of these movies pale in comparison to the 2018 movie, which isn't perfect, but I think achieved its goal, which was revitalizing the franchise, making Michael scary like going back to suspense. Um, and then that weird moment with the doctor putting on the mask in the, in that movie, mm-hmm. I feel like that energy was carried over into these sequels mm-hmm. to mixed, mixed degrees. And yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear what, like, because I know you enjoyed this movie. Have you seen it more than once yet? Uh, no, but I would. And that's surprising coming from me to like, say that, um, I mean, like, I watched it like it was a David Lynch film, which it essentially was in, like, many mm. places. Anything involving Rory and the, and the, and the granddaughter was a, was a completely different genre of film that I like to call just David Lynch. Like, it was literally Lost Highway, the color schemes, like, the, uh-huh. like, it was wild at heart. And their dialogue didn't make any sense. Like, it was like watching someone talk in a dream. It was, if you want to know what Lynchian sounds like, it is, like, the kind of conversations that that Rory and this girl were having when they were just, like, go off on these non sequiturs about like love or just going out there in the world and like going free and like the way the dad and the mom acted towards him, like his parents like acted towards him was very Lynchian. Like his dad just being like, go find love, son. I felt like like his mom was going to eat him or something. Like, yeah, Yeah. she, she had this weird energy to her. His dad was awesome. So Um, nice. But like also weird. Loved that he was watching hard target. Yeah, but also like his last line is just like, "Go find love, son," and it's like, "What? Like, like what movie are you people in?" It's a completely different movie than Halloween, but I kind of enjoying it. Like, I could have watched hours of Rory just being weird, and like, like he was like James Hurley, <laughs> he's like evil James Hurley, just on that little motorcycle of his. Like, yeah, their relationship felt very like um Firewalk with me. That I think that's one that also I kept coming back to was the whole thing felt very Firewalk with me. If you accept the premise that Michael is Bob, like it is, it is the idea that Corey is being he has this entity, yeah, like subsuming him, and he is being taken over by this evil um, that he can't really control, and he's not entirely aware of where he stops and this thing starts, mm-hmm. but he is like aware enough to be scared and like want to get the fuck out of there. But like the whole him meeting her like and immediately she's just so thirsty for it like and it's just like wait like Allison like or is her name Allison yeah Allison yeah. like what are you doing and in the intervening two years how come she's been dating like a cop that's like three times or eight like the whole thing they yada yada over about how Lori's suddenly cool with Michael Myers being out in the wild after spending her entire life <laughs> it's just bizarre it's like a different movie that's just it I think the thing I struggled with with Halloween ends is it felt like um, it felt similar to the rise of Skywalker capping mm-hmm. off the new star Wars trilogy. It was, 
it felt very improvised and random and this is what we're going to do now, I guess. And, and I've warmed to rise of Skywalker in a lot of ways. I'm a hardcore star Wars guy. So I'm very forgiving admittedly. Um, but there are things I like about that movie, even if I don't think the script is very polished. Well, um, yeah. Halloween ends. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if I'm going to end up feeling a similar way after I rewatch it. Well, here's the thing. It might feel improvised and random, but think about it. It's not improvised and random. This has all been one guy's idea. This is where he wanted it exactly, to go. and it feels very disparate. I don't understand how one, how he and McBride did all three of these. Because by the time you get to Halloween Ends, the, there's parts of the humor that overlap for sure. But we ha just saying it's been four years isn't enough for me to, to accept what the fuck happened. Yeah. To accept this version of Laurie Strode, to accept this version of Allison, to accept yeah. that. Karen, Judy Greer's character, has no mourning phase. Like, there's barely an acknowledgement yes. that she existed. Or and this she... woman has spent like her entire life preparing for her, like for Michael to like, who is locked away in prison, would suddenly be all cool once he breaks out, kills her daughter, and like then just disappears into the ether somewhere. Like, how is she? Yeah. Okay? How's this town not vacating every every Halloween? I mean, I could pick this movie apart, but again, like kind of like a Lynch movie, you kind of have to like just it's, be on board with the surrealism well, of it. If you, it's too easy to uh, point out things that don't work, like mm -hmm. in terms of plot, in terms of Logic, uh, yes. thematic structure. I that's not even what I'm trying to like criticize here. It's more that I feel like Corey was shoehorned in kind of Palpatine style into this, except he's not even, he had no legacy. He's not even Palpatine. He's just a guy. <laughs> and like, oh, he took, he took over this franchise at the very end. I'm like, who the fuck is Corey? I and love it. I love that. I love I, that. Form. I appreciate that, Drew. I do. I I'm just, I'm still adjusting. Uh, for me, Halloween kills is at least a fun murder fest where Michael gets to, imitate his buddy Jason for a movie and kill everyone. Yeah. And that's fun. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, Halloween ends. I, I, I got to think about it. I'm still, I, I've seen it. I, I saw it a week ago mm -hmm. and um, just, I like the whole like subterranean hermit thing going on with Michael. That's cool. But like, there's, yeah, there's something going on in that, in that, yeah. in that sewer. Did you notice that there's like a human face that is embedded into the wall of like what when the cop is looking? Oh, it's very like, midsummer. Okay. Yeah, it's a mask of like a human suffer. It's like a, like a human mask, um, just like a, but not a mask, like a human face, like embedded mm -hmm. into the wall. And you're not supposed to like really catch your eye to it for that long because like Michael's okay. also hiding in that shot. But like, here's the thing: Michael's like. 70. Right? I really like, feel bad for him in this movie, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, he's getting the chicky down. I'm to the point where I genuinely pity Michael Myers, regardless <laughs> well, yeah. of his body count. Yeah. Because uh, unless you're going to do, like, they had to do something with it, right? Like, it had to be something supernatural or something that alludes to the supernatural because otherwise, this goddamn thing just falls apart. Like, you cannot say that this guy, just a 70 year old guy, just like destroyed an entire town of firefighters. Like, just. When, like you can't just say that he just survived all these things and just have the audience on board with this continuing to be scary. The first movie, yes, because his kill count's like relatively low, and you're like, okay, this guy's just like really intense, like glorious. What happened number two and the evil dies tonight and this whole thing? And you're like, no, this this guy just took out the entire half of the town. And by the way, in the third movie, the fact that nobody in town seems to acknowledge that half their town has been decimated by Michael Myers, and they're still apparently two years later when the movie opens are just going out to parties and leaving their children at home. That's insane to me. 
but you have to accept that it's like this weird spell that the town's under like it's this weird thing and like there has to be something if not supernatural then like um paranatural or like you know something extra sensory about it which is like where the lynch stuff comes in because it doesn't have to be like ghosts or superpowers or goblins or you know you know cult of michael myers it can just be something strange is happening in this town and something is off and like we don't really need to get what it is exactly except to know that the town has been corrupted by michael's like poison and mm -hmm. in, in turn he's like feeding on the poison of the town with his mask somehow and i think if they had actually done that shamrock ending that would have actually like put the button on it in a way that would have felt more satisfying we found it oh the mask is it gives him powers that would have helped yeah and the thing is like you can't use the halloween 3 font in the credits <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And like, and just be like, it's an homage. Like, you're doing. You have to do that for a reason. And um, and and frankly, like, I I I heard the interview with with uh, David Gordon Green about why they cut that ending, and he's like, it felt like it would have been too fan servicey. I'm like, fan did you did movie. you watch did you watch Halloween Ends? Did you watch your own movie? It's it's not that it's fan servicey. It's that it's so goofy, and and I'll say this: it does have that endearingly sloppy quality that a lot of Halloween movies do have. Really? You think it's and sloppy? That's so funny. I mean, I just didn't get I that do. At all. I, I do. I do think the Corey stuff and the Michael and Lori stuff are slapped together, and uh, but I'm not saying that entirely turns me off. Like that's part of what I like about like the curse of Michael Myers, that movie is a mess, but just in the mid nineties, they were trying so hard to keep the franchise alive and God damn it. They barely did it. And it was enough that H2O happened. And that's a better movie than curse of Michael Myers. So, but like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's just, this is imbibed, like imbued. I think a lot more, I thought Halloween uh, kills was like very silly to me. I was like, what are they mm. trying to say? I was like the evil dies tonight, but like the mob is good. Like the mob was right. Like I was like, whatever messaging they were trying to give in that movie. And there was, I mean, I also do the thing where, look, I write Corona's trailer sometimes, no big deal. But like the amount of potholes that you can just like, it was just so much fun to be like, what are you doing? Like Judy Greer, you're sending your kid away, but you think Michael's coming to like the, the hospital, but you want her to stay at the hospital. Like it, it, there was just, and like they never get, he never gets to the hospital. And like the she and her mother, grandmother. By the way, what happened to the name grandmother? I miss that. I love that she called her grandmother like yeah. instead of grandma, and then she just doesn't call her that anymore. No, I guess because they got close. Because she didn't really know her that well in the first one. They hadn't seen each other. Like they hadn't really known each other that well. But mm. I will say this: like the, the first, the first one was like good. Like it was good in the way that I thought. Like. The Rob Zombie one. I mean, don't kill me, but like the Rob Zombie one was good in the sense that, like, okay, I, I don't have a director's I, take on I, it. Like, yeah, I don't mind the Rob Zombie movies for what they are. I think the Rob Zombie ones are pretty hardcore. Like, I was like, that they're pretty, like, they're pretty Rob Zombie. But I, you know, I'm not that invested in Michael Myers. Like, I, as a character, I don't really. Lori's great, but like, I don't really give a shit about like Michael Myers. The same way I don't really give a shit about Jason because they're like they don't talk. Like, what's there to give a shit about? Like, I like Jason's little head tilt, but like. I can, there's not Michael has even less to go on. He doesn't even have need, a backstory. You don't need to know the origin story of a tornado. Like I don't. Yeah, like, yeah. it's only so long that I can like watch people like run away from a tornado or try to kill a tornado and or be like put their own spin, so to speak, on the tornado before I'm like, yeah. okay, seeing the tornado now. Like I think that uh, at least what Halloween ends tried to do was like be like, but what if we're the tornado? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What if I like the, the tornado yeah. too? 
I like the idea of evil being infectious. You know, they've tackled that in the franchise in different ways before. Uh, that's what the whole Cult of Thorn was about. That's what, in a way, Halloween 3 was about. Um, Halloween 4 and 5 dealt with that to an extent. So it's just, uh, there's a precedent there. And the concept, I think, works on paper. I just... Um, These were not the guys to do it. I'll put it this way. Like, I think it's admirable what they, I think, I think what they were aiming for and what they wanted to say overarching, like about like, mm -hmm. evil and, and about like the sort of sepsis they can set into a town that's beset by evil. And we like, look, if they want to make some grand statement, and I think they did about like school shootings and like towns in which horrific violence have been brought by young kids sometimes, like have, have mm -hmm. committed acts of horrifying violence and the ways that that can sort of infect a town and like turn people against each other. There is something to be said there, but I think it would take other directors. Like it would probably take other directors, writers to do it. Like maybe. Yeah. Don't kill me here. Maybe that's like an Aronofsky story, or maybe that's like a, like somebody who's a little bit more, or Lynch or someone who's a little bit more ephemeral and like less literal. Uh, mm -hmm. These guys who kept getting confused about whether the mob was supposed to be good or bad or whether like mob mentality is like good and helpful and killing bad things. Cause at this end of this movie, they wheel out Michael's body and they time to a cop car, like the top of a top car. And then the whole town just like goes and like does like a Jesus on the cross thing with him where they just carry his body to a meat grinder. And then Laura gets in the meat grinder with him and you're like, Oh shit, here he goes. Like he's about to drag her in with him. But no, they just put him in the meat grinder and she jumps in the meat grinder and like smashes him there. And that's the end. That's, that's it. That's done movie. And you're like, Oh, Okay, I guess the evil died that night, specifically that night. Um, no more evil. But that was good, like the town coming out and like witnessing a murder. Isn't this how Freddy Krueger starts? Like shouldn't towns not be complicit in the murder of a dude? Yeah. Because like a serial killer? I think the problem is, is I think with the Halloween, the current <laughs> uh, trilogy of movies is I, I feel like we suffered from getting past the end credits. And like we saw more of the story than we really needed to. So like we, we, we see the unceremonious end. We see, <laughs> we see these things happen that aren't entirely, in my opinion, that satisfying because we've gone past the point of expiration. I personally would like to see this franchise take a nap and then it, when and if it comes back, it will. But yeah. when it comes back, um, I think a lot of these franchises need to start looking at the Chucky television show mm -hmm. and not imitating it uh, in terms of its style, but, but thinking about, oh, long-term, long-form storytelling can service this franchise better because we can, we can really build up these characters and make you care about them. So when they die, it, it, it's more impactful and, yeah, and, um, and if you had someone like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees lurking um, and when they finally show up, it's actually scary because we've gone a couple episodes without seeing them. I think you could play with that in really interesting ways. The thing about horror movies is, and, and this is going to be an unpopular opinion. It didn't have like a Michael Myers problem. This movie had like a Laurie Strode problem, this whole franchise. It, to the point where they knew yeah. it had a Laurie Strode problem. It needed to sideline her the entire second movie just to get rid of the Laurie Strode problem because in horror movies, there can really be one star and that star, if it's going to be a franchise, cannot be the final girl. Yeah. Like that's kind of the screams problem too, is it always has to be about Sydney. No, like the, it has to be about the killer. The killer is the star of the movies. And therefore like Nightmare on Elm Street did this well, like every time, like 
there may be a survivor or two who made it to the next film, but they would be unceremoniously killed in that next film. Like how long does someone survive? Usually in the open, in the cold open, which is always yeah. fun. Yeah. Or like, uh, God, I, I think who, who made it out? I think the, the girl from five, four made it to five. She made it past five. She lived, and then he just went somewhere else before he's dead. But, um, uh, but you know, you know, Langerkamp had to die in three after like, you know, disappearing in two. Like you can't have characters survive multiple of these movies or else it becomes like, yeah, this the Laurie Strode picture. And Laurie Strode, while an interesting character, doesn't do anything when Michael's not around. She's just, it's like, a, Michael can do stuff when she's not around, but she can't do anything. Her character can't develop or move or progress a horror movie narrative. Just like we've never seen Sidney Prescott like have a normal life or like what her kids look like or what it's like being married to Patrick Dempsey. That's who she married to. I think so. Uh, uh, it's implied. Yes. That she's yeah. married to his character. So, I mean, as, as great as it would be to like have a happy ending with these people, like Lori is just not, and I love Jamie Lee Curtis. And I thought like the first Halloween 2018, she did such a great job and she's doing a great job here. I thought like what she did with the Rory stuff here was like really interesting that she was like, Kind of like the evil recognizes the evil, like her bloodlust recognized his bloodlust. I mean, she had him like tied up on the floor of the house where he killed that kid, and she just had like her foot, like she had was on the chair and her kind of like leaning back, yeah, the frame. And she's like, I'm here, like, come get me. And there's always been this play in the new Halloween movies, which is like, does Michael Myers even know who she is? Does he even recognize her, or like, was her like, uh, all the things she went through just kind of incidental for him trying to like get back to his house that night? And I thought that was like a really cool idea. They play, they touched on Halloween kills or sorry, Halloween. Uh, yeah. Kills. And then they didn't really address it again. Turns out like maybe he wasn't because he was just, he just went to her house to get the mask in that final sequence. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, now I'm going to kill you. And yeah, you get the sense that Michael Myers doesn't really give a shit about Laurie Strode. I don't think he knows who she is. That's yeah. He, yeah. I mean, and that, that part, you know, is why he's always been similar to, you know, the shark and jaws. And, yeah. and, um, but again, by the end of Halloween ends, I just felt worn out on his behalf, you know, like, I I just, I, especially after Halloween kills Mm -hmm. that he picks up that that mask and he's like, God damn it. He's like, you just, you just feel him like, like this big size. Everyone like gets around him with the change and you're like, fucking shit like he's bruce willis <laughs> when he when he john wicks everyone at the end of that movie i i feel like that was his that was his last <laughs> real hurrah and and, and his, his little it confrontation was. with laurie is pretty pretty half-assed compared to the way he's held held himself up at, up until that point I, I, but i think that's that is the part that again flows together well for me because yes that was his last that was the mm-hmm. last of his energy that's the last of power. He still has the power, but he's like living like Pennywise in the sewers. He's just like, he can't get more power. You know, there's this idea that like the more he kills, they have this idea too. That's a little through line in the movie, which is just the more he kills, the more power he gets. Like mm-hmm. we see that he's like, seems pretty beat up in the beginning of the film, but he seems to be getting more and more energy with each murder that he takes part with, with Rory. Um, but when Rory steals the mask, it's like he becomes an old man again. So there's like something with the mask. There's something with an energy. There's something with like being able to see through the mask and like see people's soul or enter, like see their sins or something and recognize a certain um, similarity, like a certain familiarity like that he does with Rory. So he lets Rory go. He's like, oh, you also killed a kid on Halloween. Cool. Like we'll be friends. I, <laughs> I also like thinking about 
how um, this is all like you said, this all could all be incidental to Michael. And I like thinking about how everyone's, uh, you know, ascribing this meaning to his mask, to his behavior, to uh, what he does. And, and he's just out there acting on impulse, you know, and, and like, if he were to actually stop and look at the way people are reacting to him, he'd be like, you know, the joke's on you guys, you know, you're the ones, yeah, yeah, you're the ones making, you know, adding meaning to what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and honestly, the way people read Michael Myers actions is really what the franchise is all about because uh, whether it's the characters or the filmmakers themselves, mm-hmm. especially in the case of someone like Rob Zombie, David Gordon Green, it's about taking this concept of the boogeyman and and coming up with why you think the boogeyman matters. Whether it's why the boogeyman what makes the boogeyman, yeah. what makes him the boogeyman, why people are afraid of him being the boogeyman. Well, um, so there's this level of obsession to Michael Myers that I think goes all the way back to the original because he's such a cipher with that face. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why he's so haunting is the simplicity of the mask. I think the simple, simple combination of the simple white face, but the imitation of hair, there's just this artificiality to it. And it it represents to me uh, just how incredibly like uncomfortable Michael is like just being around other people. Yeah. And um, Rob Zombie goes really deep into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I think that can be inferred in any of the sequels for the most part and the original. Look, I think, and I'm not trying to talk myself into being like, I like this more as like a a metaphor for like the current violence in America. But like, in a way, that thing of like trying to ascribe, trying to ascribe um, meaning and like Mm -hmm. reason and trying to like be like, there's a, this is why that, uh, he was like this and this is why Michael's like this and this is why this is happening and this is and when I think Rory stands is a very good stuff like this this is why it kind of needed to be like this random ass kid twerpy kid Rory like because it's like no like it's it's anybody it's for any reason it could be you know there's no meaning to it like it is just horrific violence and the only meaning to it is just like as we as a society like kind of pressure and like you know are on you know vigilante status for the next one of these, we end up like kind of creating it, like in a way, I guess, like it would be the metaphor you can make there is like, people are so convinced Rory is a killer, uh, that he killed this kid, that they're gonna like bully him out of town and treat him like a piece of shit. Well, like he's gonna snap, like any, like any, we've seen had time happen like a million times since Columbine, that kid's gonna snap and become like a fucking killer. Um, mm-hmm. not like it's the town's fault or like, not like it's society's fault, but like, kind of like, well, maybe, maybe we should, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I think they were trying to say something about it there. And I think the idea that it's not just one guy, it can be passed on. Like the, the idea of it can be passed on and there will be copycats and there will be somebody who tries to, yeah. like, like, like the doctor in the first, uh, the 2018 one, there will be people that just become so obsessed with the reason of why he did it, that they will be trying to like get into the mind state and they'll become like, obsessive about it and they will unfortunately some of them will try to recreate it well i mean and and i can appreciate how like that has a lot to do with our fascination as a society with killers and how we mythologize them that's fair Mm -hmm. but if you just state that outright it's not really interesting it's just 
saying something that we already know. And with that doctor character, I just, that is that particular moment in the 2018 movie is just such a linchpin of annoyance for me because it completely takes me out of the narrative. And I really, I live for the moment where Michael crushes his head under his boot because I hate that character so much. He's I'm like, sorry. Something. Yeah, no, that guy sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like what they did with Malcolm McDowell in the second one of the Halloween. Another like just character reversal where you're just like, oh, I guess, uh, I guess he sucks now. And well, that, yeah. Suddenly he's like an asshole. He's and, a like, douche now. Yeah, it's so, so funny. The Halloween, um, the David Gordon Greens and the Rob Zombie movies have a lot of overlap for me. And if you look at Halloween Ends and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, um, there's a lot of similarities with in terms of the towns coping with the aftermath of the situations. Mm-hmm. And Scout Taylor Compton and um, uh, uh, Andy Matichak look similar, too. So like no, they, they do, they do look. They epic. really look a lot alike. If you yeah. go back and watch the Halloween Rob Zombie movies, so like whenever I was watching these new Halloween movies, I was thinking of the Rob Zombie movies because Matichak and Taylor Compton look pretty similar, and their characters are similar. Even though Scout Taylor Compton's a new Laurie Strode, whatever. Um, I just yeah, I think it's like I think that look, I agree with what you're saying that you can't directly come out and say it, but like this movie, say what you will this movie didn't come right out and say it. I feel like I've read a couple people being like the takes on this or like, Oh, like another movie glorifying like white, like, like, or trying to say that like white men are like responsible for all the fucking evil in the world or whatever. Some people picked up that it was supposed to be like a school shooting metaphor or like uh, a young, you know, young white men violence metaphor or like society's state of the world right now metaphor. Cause remember when everyone was like, it's going to be a COVID movie, like our post COVID movies can take place post COVID. And like, we knew it was all going to take place in the future. That didn't end up being a thing. (laughs) It didn't end up being a thing at all. But I think maybe if there was an idea there that like kind of got leaked or like misinterpreted, it was that it was supposed to be stating something about how we live today, like post COVID, like during COVID, Mm -hmm. like what happened to society during COVID that made us all so radicalized and so extreme. And like, that's kind of what Halloween kills is about for me. Like it is a hundred percent about like, like it's just about mob think. And it's about like how people who have the desire to do the right thing will then like go out and in their like intensity, like end up killing some random guy who needed help. You know, like it's just while the real killer just runs around on the loose. Like it's just about, but then it's about that movie totally undercuts itself by being like, but the mob was right. They just didn't go hard enough when they like killed Michael. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I, Michael Myers can't be anti-mask. He literally wears one all the time. Yeah, cool. he's he's the most responsible one. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Lindsay for making it to the end, though, because oh yeah, she um, got you know what? After what she's been through, especially after the bloodbath of Halloween Kills, like good for her, just like working oh, in the bar she, and oh, yes, getting a, getting a, getting a nose piercing and chilling. Like, I also that's... do love that they, they managed to make a meme. Like, so this movie really was missing any Kenny Powers humor. I think the first one tried to have a little bit of it, but like, I was like, where is Danny McBride in any of this? I couldn't hear him in the dialogue. I couldn't feel his, what I consider like the, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the his, uh, sorry, McBride's like sens- sensibilities as much as I understand them. Not just like humor, but just like his is what he's interested in exploring as like a, as a human being, I don't think like, I didn't feel a lot of that coming through here. So as much as they collaborated, I wonder if he just like gave him a pass of the script, especially in this third one. I was like, Danny McBride is nowhere to be found. In this um, movie. Nowhere. You know, what's funny is we just rewatched your highness. I hadn't seen it since it came out. 
And that was a fun rewatch, I got to say. Um, uh, so I think Your Highness is pretty funny overall. But the, the, I think the biggest issue that David Gordon Green had when he was making that movie is he they gave him all the money in the world to make that movie and they shouldn't have. If they had made that look cheaper, it would have been funnier. Um, yeah. But it's still really damn funny when it when it hits those moments of absurdity and and yeah the I like the darkness and the McBrideiness of that movie and um, McBride is I, dark yeah yeah and I think like Halloween Kills had more humor to it than Halloween Ends um, uh, for better I mean, or worse a weird characters there are a couple weird lynchy like the guy who ran the radio station he was funny I was like where'd you come from the seventies like yeah where'd that guy come from yeah there's that but like i'll tell you what okay you know one thing i found pretty fascinating in halloween ends and i want to talk about other movies too um but i i just have to say this um the uh band geek bullies um, oh my god i love the so wait you blew picked up my mind too right what? So why did you pick up that they were band geeks me and nerd kind of arguing about this. um so they had um they had their uh, band jackets on. Um, okay. uh, it was band uniform jackets specifically, um, you know, with like the shoulder pad, like, you know, it was a little filled out. And, okay, I, um, yes. and I want to say one of them was carrying drumsticks or am I imagining that? Yeah, one um, was carrying drumsticks. I think we just had a okay. uh, discussion about whether or not like they were all band geeks, but because to us it was like, they all came from very, like very clearly they're, they were a weird pick for bullies. It came from vastly different socioeconomic backgrounds and interests. Uh-huh. Like one had a mullet. Like one of them was like a the mullet kid. Car. Yeah. One of them was like a like a like a punky girl. Like I was like, how did these kids even become friends? I guess the answer is banned. But like, yeah. how did these friends decide to become bullies together? I well, guess they just hate child killers. I don't know. <laughs> Were you in band? I was. I was in orchestra. Yeah. So I was in marching band and concert band, and I I was in percussion, um, but like. You know, we I I was in this like sweet spot at, at when I went to high school where band geeks were definitely geeks, but we weren't ostracized, and we got a lot like you know there was actually a good rapport between us and the football team, and so you know we were fortunate in that way, I guess. But I do like this idea that like band geeks have moved completely to the other end of the spectrum where they're yeah, the bullies, they're bullies in the present day, and and honestly, every time they showed up, I just. I scoffed, but I was honestly kind of happy every time they showed up because of how ridiculous they were. And then when um, inevitably a few of them are dispatched, uh, or all of them, all of them um, uh, it's it's really entertaining. So that I liked um, you, quite a bit. You know, it kind of reminded me of uh, the, the indiscriminateness is also very Michael Myers, but also very much like the idea of this, I think, going back, like I hate to keep doing this, but like the idea of the school shooter, right? Because there's like the one girl in the group who's like, guys, don't. And she's like constantly trying to like, almost like stick up for him and like never does violence to Rory. Like she's always like, guys, like that's enough or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he kills her just as easily as he kills the rest of them. Like, it's like, he's just on berserker mode. He doesn't give a shit. Like he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about like who is who anymore. Like, I think he would have easily, you know, the funniest thing is how he goes out that like a decision. He goes like, (laughs) the funniest part of the movie, this kid is like, if I can't have her, no one will, and then slits his own throat as if that's what that means instead of literally if I can't have her and I die, this... literally anyone else in town can. <laughs> literally, she's up for grabs. It is 
the funniest I, I get what he was doing in that moment trying to frame Lori but like if he thinks that like she won't be able to in five seconds explain the situation to her granddaughter like he doesn't know anything like that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life it only works as a metaphor oh god I look I'll be honest yeah. I this is the most I've thought this hard about Halloween ends since I watched it yeah and um uh I, I gotta I'll, I'll at least I'll at least admit this you made me want to see it again not tomorrow mm-hmm. but soon enough um and I also think that uh this of all the Halloween sequels that should be adapted into a musical this is at the top of the list I mean absolutely I just yeah. want to see like I want to see you see this again through the eyes of it's a David Lynch film it's a poorly done David Lynch film well if, if, the thing, I think that he was inspired by Lynch I think he was but I just don't think he knows yeah. how to make a David Lynch film he was like what if you just take like the wild and heart characters or like what if you take like Laura Palmer and make her like a dude <laughs> like it's just there's something there yeah just, it's not well done well, I, 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 fair enough, fair enough. Um, uh, but you got to do me a favor then. Yes. You need to see Smile. I want to see Smile. Smile has been like, it wasn't at the top of my list because I'll be honest, that trailer made it look terrible. The, the trailer for that movie was garbage. But I watched the, the original movie that it's based on, like the little short on YouTube uh, that I think they've since taken down, unfortunately. And that was. Very low budget, but like phenomenally done and like mm-hmm. really well acted and like it seems great. So people are raving about it. So I want to see well, that. I want to see Terrifier Part Two. Even though I don't think I've seen. Terrifier I want to. Yeah. So I'm with you there on Terrifier Two. I want to see that as well. I'm gonna end up waiting to rent it. I can't get to a theater near where I live that's playing it. Um, I finally watched the first Terrifier. Wasn't blown away. It felt no, like a throwback to two. If uh, Art the Clown is a very cool slasher villain for what it's worth. Like yeah. the image, like I get why he's a popular slasher character, but they're coasting on that in the first movie for sure. I don't think um, like, I don't think they I don't think the first movie did that well. I think it's again like the sequel is supposed to just be good. No, I don't think it did it well. I'm just saying I understand why the imagery of the Art the Clown is popular. I get that. I'm not yeah, saying uh, yeah. Um and he's really that actor um is really good at um uh miming like 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 actual miming performance and that that's what I like so much about that performance. But like everything like I, I Yeah, so like he's a com- he's a complete mute which yeah. which really adds a lot to it and he's He's a slasher who's not afraid to use a gun when he has to. Like there's yeah, there's cool. that there's things about him that I really like. So like I think the concept is there, but the first movie is, in my opinion, a little boring. And um and I the sequel though, I hear is balls to the wall in terms of it gets very high concept, which I'm here for. So yeah. that's what I want to see. Um but um smile i don't want to oversell it drew it's so like what i will say is um it 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 got me a few times which is hard to do these days because i've seen like everything um but it got me a few times and um i feel like overall like it it tapped into something it's not on the level of hereditary Mm-hmm. But it was it was it was getting there. It was getting to that kind of level Hereditary. of. Hereditary. No, really? no, no, no. Like I again, like it was it was 
it was aspiring to get towards that like ethereal, yeah. hard to describe terror that we feel. Um, you oh, know, yeah, 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 like that's just like in our gut or like you know Something over our shoulder. Or... Yeah, just something. The air is thick. Yeah. Have you seen Terrified, the Argentinian film? There's yes. the original, or at least there's a scene in the trailer that is directly ripped off from Terrified, which is that woman running out of the house and her neck going down like that. Yeah. That is a direct shot for shot moment from Terrified. Uh, that has that had the same feeling for me. We're like, I wouldn't say that's a fantastic best movie of all time, but that movie had the scariest opening sequence I think I've ever seen in my life with the woman in, in the shower. In Terrified? I'm terrified. Yeah, the woman we just hearing the thump, and the guy's like, mm -hmm. you know, and he finds her in the shower. Uh, that was horrifying. The scene, yeah, the scene uh, where that woman runs out of the house, and yeah, that's horrifying. There's some moments mm -hmm. in that movie. Um, the little boy sitting at the kitchen table. That's it's yeah, like, yeah. There's there's moments in that movie that are just so extremely. Yeah, the guy looking under the bed trying to find out where the intruder is hiding. Like, mm -hmm. there are moments in that movie that are just pure nightmare fuel whether or not the whole thing like works together i thought so i think nerd chronic had other feelings but i thought that was one of the scariest movies i've ever seen so um in case people haven't picked up on this if you mm -hmm. don't have a shutter subscription yes shutter my god it's the only one that gets shutter because um it's fantastic and then by the way um shutter itself as an app it works on Great. most streaming devices, but it doesn't work on certain video game consoles. So oh, no. I have a workaround for that. If you have a PS4 or PS5 or Xbox and you want to watch Shudder and you can't download Shudder. You go on Amazon, right? You add Shudder to your Amazon account and you watch it through Prime and you're still supporting Shudder and you can watch it on your gaming console. I figured that out a while ago because I was I was really frustrated with it. The problem with that is I think there's some things you can't search for. We tried searching for VHS on that or like um no, we tried searching for our Deadstream on that. We had to go through the Shutter app to get Deadstream. Well, I can I watch Deadstream through Shutter on Prime as well. Um but it it the user interface can vary depending on the device. Yeah, I mean, I do like their idea of the app, which is you go on Shutter and it's like something's playing. It's like you walk into a, a house mm -hmm. where a movie's already on. Like, it's kind of got that cool feel to it where it's like, oh, you just turned on the TV and something's already like partly playing and it's, it sets an ambiance while you scroll. And that's with Shutter proper, which is the best way yeah. to use the app. Because, yeah, when you go in there, they have a live feed that is playing live TV, which is fun. Um, I haven't watched the drive-in thing with Joe Bob, but I hear that's wonderful. Um, and they have a they have a variety of documentary series that are excellent. Um, I mean, Shutter's been killing it. Oh my god, they picked up Channel Zero. Like, uh, I mean, I'm surprised Shutter doesn't have Chucky. I'm surprised Sci Fi has managed to like keep its claws in there, considering they have no other. It's content, Universal. Really. It's really because Universal owns Chucky, so they're like really Shutter, all in. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to do anything in the world, I feel like it, I mean, it needs to be Shutter and A24 combined to do a project or a couple projects because like. Shutter's great. I would I would spend any money on like the Shutter aesthetic, the Shutter brand. Like it's one of these brand loyalty things where I just buy it. So speaking mm -hmm. of which, let's talk about two other Shutter releases. I think yes. also, uh, well, two others, and then I'll talk about a, a prime one that I didn't love that I wanted to, which was um, I really wanted to love my best friend's Exorcism. And that I did was, not see that. Okay, so um, I won't tell you about it. Uh, but you know, Grady Hendrix is one of my favorite writers. Um, I really love uh, his work. If you haven't read any of his stuff, My Best Friend's Exorcism, 
um, horror store with the umlaut because it's like Ikea, a horror Ikea. Okay. Ikea. Uh, he did, um, uh, we sold our souls, which is about like a rock, a, like a washed up rock and roller woman in her forties whose band sold their soul to the devil. And like, uh, she's kind of trying to pick up her pieces of her life. She, he just did the final girl support group, which is about. Okay. Oh yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a new haunted house novel coming or how to sell a haunted house. Right. How to sell a haunted house. Yeah. And I, I've, I, I've, I read the premise of that book and I want to read it. I want to buy yeah. the hard, hard cover when it comes his out. His elevator pitches are astounding. His elevator pitches are like unmatched. Like you just see, and also he does the cover art for his books are like amazing looking. They look like well, VHSs and stuff. Like they look awesome. He's such a genre enthusiast. Yeah, he is. And he's, um, and, he's fam- and he's fantastic. He also, I like, he always makes his protagonists women in their like forties and fifties, which is just mm-hmm. like, it's a little detail, but it, you never see it. You never see it in like, uh, like horror. But like it's just yeah. Like, oh, we also did the um, Southern Baptist. Uh, I don't know. It's like the Southern uh, Book Club's Guide to Killing Vampires. That was another great one. Um, and so that one, uh, we'll put it aside for now. But I do want to talk about a movie that you recommended. Okay. Uh, Dead Stream. Yes, this one's been uh, hitting it with a lot of people, and it's a film that, in another universe, like. I kind of wish I could see this in theaters, but at the same time, I'm also happy that it's readily available because it's getting a wide audience. It's so funny. Eric saw this and he's like, I kind of wish I would show this. I'd be able to show this to people on a computer screen. He's like, that'd be the best way to watch this movie is like literally on a computer screen as it's meant to be watched. Because the whole idea is that you're watching a film. Yeah. From the perspective of like someone who's watching a Twitch streamer. I agree with that. The theatrical thing is because I just want to see it with a sold out audience. Uh, because oh, yeah. it's horror comedy at its finest uh, in a lot of ways. And yeah. it, um, I'm really excited about uh, Joseph and Vanessa Winter as filmmakers after seeing this in VHS 99, which mm-hmm. uh, we can talk about in a little bit. But like Deadstream, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, and I would like to, uh, because a lot of people haven't seen this, I want to try and avoid spoilers. But uh, basically... Um, uh, if you are a fan of uh, Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson uh, uh, and just horror comedy in general, but especially those guys. Yeah. Yeah. This is capturing that energy without being derivative. Um, it is about a uh, online streamer who is, has fallen out of favor and to get his views back up, he decides he's going to immerse himself in a, in a haunted house live stream. And as you can imagine, things do not go well for our protagonist. But the fact that it is so consistently thrilling and funny, uh, and, I, and I've watched it twice now, it holds up. Um, I, I, that's what I think makes this movie special. And it's such a send-up of YouTube personality culture that I think mm-hmm. all of us need to see, uh, whether we're horror fans or not. I think that like it is... Uh... A phenomenal film. I think it shares the protagonist of the film shares something in common. I think with the with the sort of sneak antag or sneak protagonist antagonist of Barbarian, of this sort of like uh, angry, you know, angry besotted. Like you know, again, like not to not to stereotype or pigeonhole, but this is something the movies are doing, not me. But like mm-hmm. this, you know, privileged, you know, white kid who has hurt somebody or people like terribly, and who's trying to grapple with the deflection the denial and then like the ultimate like sort of acceptance or uh 
ownership of that uh, damage that they've caused and like mm-hmm. the ways that like uh, that will cause more damage or make them more angry or cause them to uh, put themselves in like a victim role. Like I think that these two characters are very similar. Like they, they both like are, yeah. you know, the, the idea of like they get kind of close to an enlightened idea of like what they've done and like how to atone for it. And then they're just like, you know, it's just, it's, it's just very, I think this movie does it better. And I think the character is deeper. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I think, I think this handles that material better than barbarian. Yeah. Um, And the thing quickly about barbarian, I think the, the first third to half of that movie is really, really good. And then everything after is interesting, but not as compelling. I thought it was so good. I was like, I, what the fuck? I enjoy Barbarian a lot, but the back half was a little, um, uh, they were, it, it undermined a lot of the suspense for me, although I understood what he was going for. Um, I like Barbarian overall, but Deadstream, like Deadstream for me is a more consistent movie from beginning to end. Yeah, I think Deadstream, what it does, uh, so well is it it really is like a dead-eyed movie i heard tom describe it that way like mm-hmm. um, it's like you know the girl in it she, who's also in um who was in their 1999 uh segment of vhs whoever she is like the golem chick from the 99 one and, and she's like the the woman in this movie she's yeah. amazing she's exactly who i wanted to be in high school if i had had her as like a role model i would have like i had short hair and kind of like like had her aesthetic and like that's exactly what i've been going for she kind of talks like um weeping myrtle yes movies i got this weird high-pitched voice maybe a little jennifer tilly in there too but she's can like also play it like she's very much like a golem woman she kind of reminds me of like also sarah squirm from snl who's part of the Mm -hmm. uh who was part of the or sarah i forget what her last real last name is and they use it on the show but she goes by sarah sarah squirm and she's like known for doing like really weird gross out humor and uh, she's part of that Alan Resnick Wham City collective that I'm mm-hmm. really into. That's like horror comedy. So like I feel like, yeah, those those would have been two female role models I really would have liked to have growing up to be like you can be a chick and like pretty or like feminine, but also just be like very weird and scary and funny and like there's a way to be all those things at once without you know I don't know making everyone afraid of you. Well, the thing I. I love about her performance in Deadstream is she gets to be all of that and she gets to God, just, just by virtue of the character she plays, she gets to be all of these things that, uh, uh, Sean, our, our hapless protagonist, uh, uh, keeps describing as problems of his, you know, whether it's his audience, whether it's the house, whether it's the, you know, like, um, you know, the relationship he's alluded to a couple of times that he's having problems with. I love the way information is implied and inferred throughout Deadstream, whether it's through what he says, whether it, by the way, the live chat is absolutely oh, brilliant. In, uh, oh, thank you. Let's see what... time, no see. Oh, yeah. Shift is not that fun. Cheers to you all. These movies scare me more than I can enjoy. But getting the rundown from you lets me enjoy the lore without the hair raising. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Chandra. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Glad to see you, man. Much appreciated. Glad you were here. And yeah, guys, I forgot to mention, like, yeah, this the the, the stream is open. If you go to videodrew.club, that's where you got to go now. Um, you can also go to, what is it called? Like, uh, streamlabs.com backslash videodrew1. But that seems like a lot. Just go to videodrew.club and throw in a couple bucks if you feel like it. You can have your comment read on the TV screen. Um, but yeah, sorry, you were saying? 
Um, so I, I uh, with Deadstream um, specifically, I was just saying like I, I like the way that her character played into a lot of um, the the issues he was running into, but the the live chat specifically was just so on point throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought cra- that was, was really good. It was cracking me up. I um, mean, and yeah. I yeah. That kind of sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I just meant like they did such a good job of not doing it too much. Like you got a break from the live chat so that when it did show up, it was utterly hilarious. I mean, also like the fact that like, yeah, it wasn't done too much. Um, it what it didn't go where I thought it was gonna go. Like I thought it was gonna be like so many different things that I thought were gonna happen in this that didn't, and it was really just it was really just a, a two-hander, a one-hander. Uh, the way that the, yeah, he kind of like it was almost like a choose your own adventure movie, like the way that he kind of yeah. used the chat. Like it almost could have been like a it's so good. Been, like if this had been like a more, I think a not like this wasn't an, a, a grand idea of a project, but if this had been almost like there might have been like an ARG element of this, like they might have been able to pull this off as an actual live stream. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like where like where the audience could have like felt like they were participating, whether or not they actually were. Might have been able to pre-film it and like post it on Twitch as like a live viewing of something. So like there could have been like actual <laughs> audience participation, yeah, like, along with us the the pre the predetermined like audience participation. Like you know, I thought I think there might exactly. be like a cool element of like alternate reality gaming that maybe in the future we can see them experiment with because that's that's gonna be the next level for me is like when we start getting alternate reality games going mainstream and like Twitch people. There's already happening on TikTok a little bit. People doing these long form like storylines, horror storylines on TikTok, like whole accounts that are just devoted to like uh, in-world narrative or an in-world story um, where the creator is not actually who mm-hmm. they say they are. Like, I love that stuff. That's like Nightmine. That's a lot of stuff. Well, that I goes like. back to creepypasta and all it goes that. back to creepypasta, yeah. All that you know? energy, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's just like alternate reality gaming. Like the whole concept of it is like very much, uh, you know, I love bees and based on the game, the actual movie, the game. Was the very first the very first ARG was created because someone saw the movie The Game and was like, "That's a cool idea." Arguably, QAnon, very much based on mm-hmm. uh, an alternate reality game that someone created uh, called Cicadas, Cicadas, and it's like four six one or something. You watch the QAnon documentary; it's it's about that. Um, I just think eventually that that will be the next medium that we all tell stories through because it's like an interactive communal storytelling experience where you can. It's almost like Dungeons and Dragons; like you can influence the narrative. And I feel like that kind of collaborative storytelling might just be what our culture needs to heal. But that's just me. Um, I, I, think, start in horror. I think you're onto something. And you mentioned Channel Zero earlier. I can't pimp that show out enough to people. Guys, watch Channel um, Zero. So like you can watch it all on Shudder and then the, the entire DVD set I think is still like you can get all four seasons in one DVD set for like $20 on Amazon. Oh, go do that. Cause yes. I mean, that is, that's based in collective unfiction. It's based on um, creepypastas, which is, if you guys don't know, creepypastas and no sleep stories, they are stories that have been told on uh, 4chan and well, not 4chan. It's um yeah, 4chan and, uh, and Reddit respectively. Um, and they are first person horror stories that are written like as if they are real. And everyone in the comment section has, the only rule is you have to treat them as if they are real. So if you're going to respond to somebody's story, you can't be like, this was, this was like bogus. I don't believe that bro. Or like, this is like, it's really scary. You did a good, like, how'd you write this? Where'd you come up with this idea? You have to respond to them as if like, man, maybe you shouldn't turn on the light when the monster comes down the hall. Or have you tried putting salt around the door? Like you have to respond to them in the mm-hmm. world. And they, you know, people can respond in the comments and things kind of develop that way. And my favorite YouTube channel of all time is this one called, this one guy called Nightmind. 
who basically, if you go to his channel, there's these long form sort of ex ess essays or explorations about these little niche worlds that you would never have known about unless he like took you by the hand and dragged you into them of like these online games that are going on all the time or these stories that are being put out and people do them, they start on YouTube and then they, you know, there'll be parts of it that hop over to TikTok or they'll have a Twitter account that's talking to another Twitter account. Like there'll, there'll be codes, there will be like things for you to solve and play around with and they'll unlock more pieces of the story that just are just like hidden all over the internet. It's really creative. And the fact that we have a generation of kids growing up that just like intrinsically know how to do this, like, and know how to like operate in this way and think, uh, hi like think intertextually and think in terms of hyperlinks and burying things in like, you know, QR codes. Like that's really cool. And I can't wait to see what they come up with. You think of how far we've come since the movie fear.com was released. I think about how far we've come since we, since the Blair Witch Project, which was the first one that had that a fake website that purported to be yeah. real. It all existed in world, like the whole thing. We haven't really been able to do that, uh, you know, successfully probably since Blair Witch. Well, I think, uh, and to bring it back around, so uh, the movie we were talking about, um, uh, Deadstream, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, of course it's a, on Shudder. It's a Shudder original. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to go on Shudder to watch it, um, but it is worth it. So um, worth it. Um, and I, I just think that it's such a good testament to why found footage especially can still be so effective mm -hmm. and found footage nowadays is more believable than it's ever been yeah. because of the devices we use. And um, that can be built into the narrative in such an organic, hilarious and often meaningful way. And right. I love that this guy just has uh, and a, a comical amount of cameras on his person throughout the movie. His GoPros and stuff. I mean, yeah. look, I think it's not even just the, the, the amount of technology that we have today makes our movies, uh, our found footage in, uh, more interesting. It's the way we think about uh, how we use cameras and the way that this generation coming up mm -hmm. has learned how to like just grow up with cameras on them all the time. That, that, that life is just a content farm. Like the idea that this, not to be all like these kids these days, but like, you know, like this Gen Z, it's like, their life is content and the way that that has translated in millennials to a certain extent, but like has translated into even how they approach camera stuff when it comes to analog older period pieces, like say VHS 1999 and 94 is like fascinating. Like we are what a twofer, by the way, those yeah. the, also on shutter. God, those are might be the two best in the franchise. So far. they're absolutely the two best in the franchise. Yeah. And it shows you just like how, Far we've come as a society that we're able to think of creative ways to do found footage. When VHS first came out, the only thing original about it was it was an anthology mm -hmm. horror film, like a found footage horror film. We had, remember like a couple years ago, like uh, maybe like a decade ago, found footage was like the most played out thing yeah. in the entire world. There was nothing new you could do with found footage. Like it was right. just every film had done it. It was so boring. The documentary crew coming to explore XYZ was just like so over. Mm -hmm. uh, the Blair Witch sequel wasn't it didn't even bother to make itself a found footage film. Tobolinger was like, yeah, fuck it, it's not going to be a found footage film. Now, that's not to say there weren't brilliant versions of it. I think one of my favorite underrated ones is uh, the Last Exorcism with uh, what's his name from uh, Howard from uh, Better Call. Oh Star. yeah, yeah, Patrick, Patrick Fabian. Fabian. I think yeah. another great one is the uh, one. Oh God, what's it called? The one with the woman who like it's like she has Alzheimer's, but you're not sure if she. Oh, um, um, uh, the taking of Deborah Logan. 
that think that one's great. That I one's crazy. And I just saw as above, so below, and I thought it was oh, pretty that great. Yeah. That one was incredibly effective. And well, if right. people we're haven't seen if people haven't seen as above, so below, it's on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the best found footage movies I've ever seen. And that's saying a lot. And yeah, it's just, I really think so. Yeah. Okay. I no, it, definitely from the twenty. I'd say I'd say it's one of the best found footage from the twenty tens, hands down. Yeah, that's that's absolutely um, true. And um, it's just such a great. I love, love, love these stories that we're starting to see that um, take found footage, and they show the world changing in unnatural ways mm -hmm. right around these people, and the fact that it's being captured gives it this really discomforting believability. Mm -hmm. Like, like for example, in As Above, So Below, this is a tease, not a spoiler. Mm -hmm. it's, all, it's all about these underground catacombs in Paris. And one of the main characters is, you know, they're walking along and they go into this deep cave and impossibly out of nowhere in the corner of this room or in the corner of this cave is the piano from his childhood home yeah. and it's covered in dust and he's freaked out by it. And that freaked me out. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that's all I'm going to say. And, oh, yeah. that and movie, I mean, the way that that movie also plays with spatial reasoning, like where mm -hmm. you are, like if the camera's looking up, down, Adam Winger does it a little bit too in the Blair Witch yeah. uh, movie. And he, yeah, I, I feel like the Blair, his Blair Witch was like more like a predecessor to his um, Godzilla versus Kong, where you go into the the other upside down world. There, yeah. Like I was like, that's cool. Like that's a cool effect, and I like love him playing with that. And we've talked about Blair Witch extensively in that one episode, but um, yeah, I, I think that that third Blair Witch movie is underrated. Yeah. What do you think the the difference has been in these past two VHSs that have made them you know more unique or stand out more? Because I mean the first couple ones they did have people playing with GoPros, they had people mm -hmm. they they told stories in different ways. But I think there's just been something that's been so original and refreshing about the ways that these last two movies have been happening. Uh, I think my favorite might might still be '94. I think there was just there was an overarching story yeah. there that I thought was interesting. I thought it had themes that were like this one was a little bit more like, oh, they set up a really cool premise. Okay, now it's over. Like, it was just immediate, like, you know, nothing kind of connected. But 94 to me, I was like, that is what 1994 was. That was, like, here's a bunch of things that all connect to the year that make it, like, why it's set where it's set. And I really like the films in it. Like, God, they were so good. This one had a yeah. really, really good films in it, too, especially the one that's directed by the Deadstream guys and girl. The Deadstream couple. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I think what's makes VHS 94 and 99 stand apart more is the fact that they, because the VHS conceit mm -hmm. is so specific to a limited period of time mm -hmm. that you have to kind of massage it to make it work as a concept. And, and within the decade of the nineties, that's less, there's less massaging required. And um, when you get into the 2000s or you go pre-90s, you have to kind of get creative with how VHS would be found organically in this well, found footage uh, well, element. Viral didn't even bother with the found, with the VHS concept. It was just so and vi Disclaimer, Viral is the only one I haven't seen. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Viral, and I think a couple of them in the original trilogy, they, they people had GoPros. They had different forms of medium. It was just more like they were the overarching story involved some guy watching VHSs. Right. Uh, but... 
I like I like 9994 because the VHSs um, do have that graininess more so than the other films. Mm-hmm. And because they seize on these really specific moments and paranoias from the 90s mm-hmm. that uh, I'm sure you can recall uh, as well as I. Like, yep. I love the Militia story in 94. That was my favorite one. Yep. So good. Um, I love Ozzy's Dungeon in 99. Oh, Making my God, fun of Nickelodeon. So it gets gross, but it, it works. Um, yeah. And then um, uh, Joseph and Vanessa Winter's uh, segment, To Hell and Back. That one. Yeah, so, that one to the audience. That's about so, the the Deadstream. Yeah. For, for anyone who has seen Deadstream or is interested in seeing Deadstream, um, watch VHS 99 as well. The whole thing is worth seeing if you're a horror fan, but um, the winter uh, directing duo have a segment in that called to hell and back. The and the, ba- yeah. the basic premise is these documentarians are filming a, um, what are uh, like wedding photographers, aren't they? Are they? They're not like documentary guys. They're like higher. They're like wedding photographers that are higher. Yeah. Like they're amateurs. They're not yeah. like hardcore, like filmmakers, but they, um, uh, they're hired to document this uh, um, ritualistic event. Um, and it's it's basically, um, it's a coven of witches um, who are trying to raise a demon. And in doing so, they raise the wrong demon, which they have to send back uh, to the pits of hell. And then they send our, our poor uh, filmmakers along with them. And so we get this first person, uh, like, uh, grainy... Uh, perspective of what it's like to be in the pits of hell um mm-hmm. and it is it is so good and and our friend from deadstream plays uh mabel the skullbiter and she's amazing she's like the golem of that world she's not she's not exactly antagonistic she's she's good no uh, and and i think i think um if the schmodan gone into a 10th season you would have had to implement some sort of mabel the skullbiter cosplay Yes, I would have. That would have happened. Look, I'm saying like that is who I wanted to be in high school. If I had yeah. existed, I would have tried to be her. <laughs> um, and also just a general shout out to anthology horror. Um, it's it's very very new. A lot of people are still just catching up with it. But um, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities oh, on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not going to get into any spoilers. I just want people to see it. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched six of the eight episodes. And the final two episodes are directed by Panos Cosmatos and Jennifer Kent. So, uh, like, the, uh, holy shit. Vincenzo yeah, Natale. Vincenzo Natale's episode is epically good. Oh, that's so, so awesome to hear. Oh, oh God. Oh, he got, hear, he, oh, he got F. Murray Abraham to be the star of his segment. I want to show you something real quick. And I want to show everyone, <laughs> by the way, I'm supposed to, like, shout this out because I do have, like, a promo code. Uh, this is the first time I've ever had one of these. See that picture behind me? The one next to the Lynch one? That is a that is a poster from moviepalettes.com. It takes uh scenes from movies, or they take your movie and they they turn into a color scheme thing. So that's the movie Cube mm-hmm. done as a color palette. So like the main the majority color palette from any given scene is condensed down and then the length of the scene is turned into a thing. I think if you have a I think there's a promo code. Let me look it up real quick. You guys want to go because they can do any movie and they have a bunch on their website. So if you go to moviepalette.com and enter the code, is it like just Drew or something? Let's see. The code is uh, Drew15, all caps, Drew15. Go to moviepalette.com. You can get 15% off. 
um, for any product on the website. So go do that. So it's just really cool. It's like a really cool like art thing. So that's me doing a plug, you guys. Uh, that's a good fun. plug. Thank you. Uh, I'm, but no, I'm, I'm really excited. That's what I'm going to watch tonight, I think, is the the, the uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah. And and um, for anyone who's uninitiated with it, like, trust me. Like, it's if you're a horror fan, the thing that's cool about the show is that every single episode feels like a short film. It's not like an anthology film where everything's like 15 to 20 minutes. All of these are like 40 to 60 minutes and oh, really? they, they feel like short, actual short films. The cast is pretty much all A-listers. Our boy Crispin Glover shows up. I'll just oh, leave it at that. Him. Oh God. Crispin shows up and he's so, even for by Crispin standards is weird. Drew, he, he, he does a Crispin version of a Boston accent. Unlike anything I've ever heard. So oh my just, God. Just check it out. Check it out. That's very exciting to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of uh, things I want to go do, I want to go do that now. Uh, yeah, is there any you other movies that, are we, Is there any other movies that we are really missing before, for the Halloween season? I think we got into like, the big ones we wanted to we'll, get to. We'll do some shows before the end of the year. We'll, we'll wrap up Loose Ends at some point. Yes, we will. Um, so, Adam, where can people find you, uh, specifically on this Halloween night? <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to get some rest, uh, cause I have work tomorrow and then I have a Halloween party tomorrow night. So I need to be well rested, but, um, I'm here every two to three weeks and, um, we've got, uh, video chronic quizzes coming back up soon. I'll be participating yeah. in those whenever, uh, I can. And I just had a really fun episode of settle the score drop on Matt Nost's YouTube channel. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. So, um, it's me and William Bibiani uh doing our horror dance again uh but in the realm of uh movie soundtrack and score trivia which is very i was say I, i'm glad i wasn't invited to that one but now i am not you just said the phrase that made me not jealous of it <laughs> <laughs> there are some serious deep cuts in there but it was a blast um and i encourage people to check it out it's on matt Nose's youtube channel um and i retweeted it as well so it's easy enough to find Go check that out, guys. Um, as for me, uh, yeah, speaking of, uh, Video Chronic Quizzes has been on a little bit of a hiatus. But guess what, guys? We are back starting Monday. We have a, uh epic horror free-for-all type uh, show coming up. Um, Ooh, I don't want to yeah. give too much away, but there's going to be a couple competitors there. We're going to have a bunch of people on, um, and it's going to start at 630 uh, on Saturday night. Oh, sorry, Saturday night. What am I talking about? Monday night. I wanted to do it on actual Halloween because I figured, besides you and a couple other people, I don't know that many people with kids. And without kids, I don't know how many people are doing anything Monday night on Halloween. So I figured, why not have a party at my place? And by party at my place, I mean hold a quiz. So these are going to be some deep cut contextual questions. I don't think any question is about like who's in the movie or who did the soundtrack. These are all like, you know, you know what did they use to do this thing or like. Who do they blame for this thing? Or, you know, where, where does, uh, where, I, I don't have one for Halloween kills off the top of my head, but like we will have one on the quiz. I don't want to give away the one we have on the quiz. So I don't want to do that, but like, you know, it's all going to be extremely contextual questions. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're going to have some really good competitors on. I'm really excited to play. Um, I'm really excited to have everyone else come in. We're going to do the thing again, where we split the pot halfway between the winner and the uh in the house so guys come in bring a couple of tricks and treats and or treats 
Um, and we'll see you then. Uh, otherwise, I'm at patreon.com backslash video drew. And these are my little doggies. These are Tulpa. Tulpa. She's got some really bad dandruff I need to take care of. Um, and the other one was Sammy. And say goodbye, girls. And until next time, we'll uh, see you see you in a couple weeks, if not on Monday. Show up on Monday. Yeah. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh wait, what did I do with this? Okay. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween. Bye.